0: To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoy this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. How can you respond to believers' unbiblical beliefs? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast. Teaching Biblical Correctness in a Biblically Incorrect World. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. In previous episodes, I talked about both the right and wrong ways to understand the Bible. But for most believers in Yeshua, they've either never truly learned how to properly handle the scriptures, or they don't apply what they know, either consistently or at all. So today, I want to give you just five simple strategies That'll help you stand up for the truth of God's Word and answer any unbiblical beliefs you might hear from your fellow believers. Now, you can use these any time that you hear something that you think is unbiblical, whether you're listening to a sermon or having a Bible study with other believers or discussing the scriptures online. These techniques will always help you get back on track with God's perfect Word. Okay, you ready? All right, let's jump right in. So, the first strategy for answering unbiblical beliefs should go without saying, because it's so obvious, and that's to only use the Bible. When you want to settle a biblical question, only the Bible has the biblically correct answer. This is the standard that Yeshua himself set for us, as we see him repeatedly holding up the scriptures as the arbiter of truth. He often responded to the religious leaders, who should have known better, saying, did you never read in the scriptures, Matthew 21, 42. Or in Mark 12, 10, did you not read this scripture? In Matthew 22, 29, Yeshua answered the Sadducees, you go astray not knowing the scriptures. And also in the parallel passage in Mark 12, 24, do you not go astray because of this, not knowing the scriptures? And Paul held exactly the same standard, as he said many times, but what does the scripture say? Galatians four thirty and in Romans chapter 4 verse 3 for what does the scripture say and again in Romans 11:2 have you not known what the scripture says over and over again the bible teaches us that holding to and bearing the standard of scripture is fundamental to holding biblical beliefs and giving an answer to unbiblical ones what this means is that you can't legitimately settle a biblical question by answering with the latest nugget from a popular Christian teacher or from Calvin or the Pope or some Torah teacher somewhere or the Talmud or any other spoken, written, or recorded source. As I've said before, true teachers are a gift from God, according to Ephesians 4, and God gives them to help believers grasp and apply the truth of his word. But when you're trying to reach a biblical conclusion, no matter who you are, You need to have the discipline to limit your words and thoughts to the words and thoughts of Scripture. You can't quote or paraphrase the teachings of a person or denomination, even if they form the basis of faith for millions of people for generations, and then put it forward as if it were essentially Scripture itself. The same holds true for the other person you might be having a discussion with. If you want to come to any kind of biblical agreement with another believer, you can't let the other person continually quote some doctrine or teaching in a way that obviously imbues it with the same or greater authority as Scripture. You need to get the conversation focused on the Scriptures, then let the Bible defend itself. Now, a lot of people rely on extra-biblical ideas simply because they don't know any better. But a lot of believers do it because they know that the Bible presents too many obstacles to their beliefs. If anyone is actually serious about getting to the truth and not just spouting their beliefs, then they should have no trouble agreeing that it's what the scriptures say that's not only correct, but binding, and not the extra-biblical doctrines or insights of man. So, in addition to only using the Bible to answer unbiblical beliefs— The second method to use is what I call the where's that in the Bible approach. It's basically the same question as what do the scriptures say, but in certain contexts, it can be a more immediate and direct question to ask both yourself and others. For example, let's say you're listening to a sermon and something the teacher says strikes you as odd. Just ask yourself the question, where's that in the Bible? Or say you're in a conversation with another believer or in a Bible study, and someone implies or infers that the Bible says something that doesn't sound quite right to you, or even if it does, don't just let it pass. Actually ask the other person, either in the hopes of affirming it or in order to challenge it, ask them, where's that in the Bible? And then go look for it. And unfortunately, it's very possible, if not likely, that what was said won't actually be in the Bible. You might have gotten an inaccurate paraphrase or restatement of the text in the other person's own words, if the concept is actually there at all. A great biblical illustration of this, to which I owe my sons Hosea for noticing it and Josiah for repeating it to me, comes from John 21, which takes place during one of Yeshua's post-resurrection appearances to his disciples. So Yeshua was talking to Kepha, Peter, indicating to him the kind of death by which Kepha would glorify God. And beginning in verse 21, it says, Then Kepha, having seen Yochanan John, said to Yeshua, Master, and what of this one? In other words, Peter was asking Yeshua in what way John would die. Continuing in verse 22, Yeshua said to him, If I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? You be following me. This word, therefore, went out to the brothers that the disciple Yohanan would not die. Yet Yeshua did not say to him that he would not die, but if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? This is so awesome, not just because it demonstrates how even after Yeshua's resurrection, just how dumb the disciples could be, (laughs) just like us, but because it shows exactly how some believers interpret the Bible. Yeshua literally said about John, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? But the disciples putting it in their own words, filtering it through their own minds, twisted the master's words to mean that John would not die. But that's not even close to what Yeshua said at all. What the disciples did, as have many believers over the centuries, is extract a single biblical concept, in this case, the concept of John's death, then pivot and build out the idea or belief in a completely different direction. The only thing that Yeshua's statement had in common with what they concluded was that they were both about John's death. The fact of the matter is, Yeshua didn't even answer Kepha's question. All he said was, What is it to you? Be following me. But the disciples missed Yeshua's point, reinterpreted what he said, and decided what he actually meant. So Kepha asked the question, How will John die? Yeshua answered, what is it to you? You just need to be following me. The disciples spread the word that John wouldn't die. And then John, who wrote the book of John, set the record straight. John's answer to where's that in the Bible, so to speak, was Yeshua did not say to Kepha that I would not die, but quote, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? So when you hear believers say that Christians have replaced Israel, just say, where's that in the Bible?" Or that the Sabbath was changed from Saturday to Sunday. Where's that in the Bible? Or all sicknesses have a spiritual root. Where's that in the Bible? Or that the soul is the mind, will, and emotions. Where's that in the Bible? When you ask either yourself or someone else, where's that in the Bible, it forces the person to defend his beliefs by the only defensible standard there is, the scriptures. If it can't be found anywhere in God's word, not contrived or cobbled together with human reasoning or supposed spiritual insight, then the belief must be abandoned because it simply isn't biblical. So the first strategy for answering unbiblical beliefs is to only use the scriptures. The second is to ask the question, where's that in the Bible? And the third method for responding when someone is trying to overwhelm you with a fire hose of their beliefs is to use what I call the show me one scripture at a time approach. Maybe this has happened to you, either online or in a conversation, where the other person is making his argument for his beliefs by just rattling off point after point, maybe not even making the linear logical connection between each point, and then just kind of laying it all in your lap and saying, okay, now refute that. Well, there are two problems with this situation. First, he's basically putting you on defense by overwhelming you with what may or may not be sound reasoning and biblically correct understanding. There's just so much stuff to sift through, it will take you forever to figure it out. And second is that you're basically being challenged to address his argument on his terms. He's obviously already done all his research and preparation, and now he's forcing you to follow his line of reasoning, to play according to his rules, as it were, in order to address his argument as a whole. So the way you respond to this whether you're engaging in writing or you're talking to someone, is to say, okay, slow down, let's back up, show me one scripture at a time. So, assuming he's been quoting scripture to support his argument, let him start with any one of them, make his point, then you look at that one scripture to see if it says what your friend thinks it says. The goal here is to get agreement on the understanding of each scripture at each stage of the argument so that the discussion can progress logically and in a way that you can follow along. Getting agreement on the individual points of any argument in any context is always key to bringing understanding between people who hold different points of view. So once you've understood and agreed on the meaning of the first scripture, move on to his second scripture and so on. This way you are methodically and slowly walking him through his own argument so that when you come to a scripture that doesn't mean what he thinks it means or doesn't support the point he's trying to make or doesn't reasonably connect to the other scriptures he cited, then don't allow him to keep making his argument, but help him understand that this is the point where his argument starts to fall apart. Then put the onus back on him to go back to the word to see where he went wrong. The show me one scripture at a time approach is reminiscent of what we see in Acts 17 verses two and three, where it says that Paul reasoned with them from the scriptures, opening them up and citing them. Then in verse 11, speaking of the Jews in Berea, it says that they received the word with all readiness of mind, every day examining the scriptures to find out whether those things were so. So the Bereans didn't let Paul just stand up there Spewing his beliefs about Yeshua, and to his credit, that's not at all what he did. Paul cited the scriptures from which he was reasoning and opened them up, meaning that he thoroughly explained them. And then the Bereans tested what he said against the scriptures. Paul said things, then the Bereans examined the scriptures to find out whether those things were so. And in this case, as opposed to your friend with unbiblical beliefs, it turned out that Paul was right. Show me one scripture at a time is the only way I will engage in scriptural debate. If the person can't or won't walk me through their argument one scripture at a time, then they're either just making it up as they go along, or they're really not interested in proving their point to me. This approach is also extremely helpful for avoiding the fruitless discussion that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Either you're interested in the truth or you're not. The goal then of show me one scripture at a time is first simply to stop someone from blasting you with their beliefs and then daring you to respond. And second, to help you find common ground on what the scriptures say wherever you can, but also to bring correction whenever it's necessary. So if you're standing up for the truth by only using the scriptures and you're asking, where's that in the Bible? And you're slowing down the conversation with show me one scripture at a time, the next strategy you can use for answering unbiblical beliefs is to stay on topic and not follow rabbit trails and red herrings. When you follow a rabbit trail, it means you've veered off from the subject or point of the conversation. And when you follow a red herring, it means that you've been misled by something seemingly relevant, but actually irrelevant that's been introduced into the argument. A red herring is an informal, logical fallacy named for the scent of dead fish that were once used to confuse tracking dogs during training. Red herrings are often subtle and difficult to catch because they're so quickly and seamlessly injected into the conversation and at first blush appear to be tangentially related to the subject. So for example, let's say your friend promised to help you move but didn't show up. So you call him and you ask him, why didn't you show up to help me move? You promised me. Then he says back to you, well, there was that one time you didn't show up for my birthday party. What about that? And just that easily, your friend has introduced a red herring. Even though it might at first seem somewhat related to the topic, you not showing up for his birthday party has nothing to do with him breaking his promise to you. So if the conversation then switches to you talking about his birthday party, that means your friend has successfully changed the topic and you've just followed a red herring. So you can imagine just how detrimental it can be when you allow yourself to get distracted from the main point of the discussion when you're dealing with unbiblical beliefs. Paul even talks in Ephesians 4.14 about how important it is to be on guard and to be careful to not be led astray. He tells us to no longer be little children, tossed and carried about by every wind of the teaching, by the slight of hand of men, by craftiness toward the scheme of leading us astray. Now, that's not to say that everyone who changes the subject during a theological discussion is actively scheming to lead you astray, because introducing a red herring or taking a rabbit trail can be done either intentionally or unintentionally. What you need to focus on then is not the intent so much as the subject, and to recognize when an irrelevant point has been made, then to bring the discussion back to the original topic. If someone uses a red herring with you or changes the subject, just simply ask if you can come back to that later after you finish discussing the topic at hand. So if you're talking about whether or not you can lose your salvation, don't let the other person change the subject to salvation by faith versus works. Or if you're talking about the importance of not living in sin, don't let the subject get changed to how we're saved by grace. Or if you're talking about how we should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, don't let the other person change the subject to how Yeshua hung out with sinners. While these may each seem like they're part of the original topic, they're actually not. And if you get drawn into discussing these points that are irrelevant to the current conversation, then not only will the original point of the discussion go unaddressed and unresolved, but the biblical truth you are pursuing will remain undiscovered. Unbiblical beliefs can only survive in a pool of distraction and confusion. So when you're answering them, it's absolutely crucial that you keep the conversation on topic. And finally, now that you're answering unbiblical beliefs by only using the scriptures and asking, where's that in the Bible? And slowing things down with, show me one scripture at a time, and fighting off rabbits and herrings by staying on topic, perhaps one of the best strategies that you can ever employ is knowing when to speak and when to hold your tongue. In other words, you need to train yourself to know how and when to answer a fool." Proverbs chapter 26, verses four and five say, "Do not answer a fool according to his foolishness, so that you will not be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his foolishness, so that he will not be wise in his own eyes. In other words, when you engage with a fool at his level, then that also makes you a fool. So you may just want to keep your thoughts to yourself. But sometimes even fools can be made to see their folly. So if you think you can show him the error of his ways, do it. The fact of the matter is that while some believers who hold unbiblical beliefs do so merely as a result of bad teaching or ignorance of what the Bible says, a lot of believers simply aren't interested in pursuing the truth. They're instead determined to ardently defend or spout off their own beliefs, whether out of pride over being right or a desire to continue in sin or out of a fear of going against societal expectations or because they have an emotional or intellectual attachment to an idea or just because they love to argue and be disagreeable. Sometimes, instead of answering a fool's argument, we need to answer the fool himself by discerning and addressing the motives behind his unbiblical attitudes and beliefs. But whether wisdom tells us in any given situation to answer a fool or to not answer a fool, we need to always have the integrity to show them the truth of the scriptures in love, whether they want to hear the truth or not. Standing up for the truth of God's word and answering unbiblical beliefs is one of the most important things you can ever do to combat biblical misinformation, ignorance, and illiteracy. While you may find it increasingly difficult, if not impossible, to reach people and help change their minds, being familiar with the scriptures and prepared with strategies to defend them will always make you ready to fulfill your purpose as a disciple of Messiah. Paul says to his disciple, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3.14-17, Be remaining in the things you learned and with which you were entrusted, that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith that is in Messiah Yeshua. Every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. So when you're answering believers' on biblical beliefs, be aware of your own biases and stay humble, but also be ready and willing to admit that you're wrong if you're ever confronted with Scripture that is truly in conflict with your beliefs. But in that humility, be strong and confident in the truth of God's Word, that only in the Bible can we find his truth. Don't let unbiblical assertions pass or go unanswered, but look to find out where it is in the Bible or not. Don't accept it when someone blasts you with their fire hose of beliefs, but take control of the discussion by making them show you one scripture at a time. Watch out for irrelevant talking points so that you can keep the conversation on topic and be wise and discerning to know how and when to give an answer or when it's time to hold your tongue and walk away. So the next time you hear something from a fellow believer that you think might be unbiblical, stand up for the truth of God's Word. Remember that only the Bible can correctly settle any biblical question. And if we determine to know and properly handle the Scriptures, then we'll always be ready to give a biblical answer. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.